Hey listeners, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble, the podcast where I talk about the shows that I live with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and being tolerated today in the pod basement is the bestie Jill. And boy, do we have a whale of a show for you today. Just two girls getting it done. Did you catch it? That's right. We're talking about season two of The Boys. Nice pun. Thanks. Nice, nice uh, word play there on some of the themes in the show. Thank you. Impressive. So... Welcome, Jill. Welcome back to the pod basement. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been a while. I'm glad to be here. Yay. So we'll just get right into season two of The Boys. So spoiler warning. And what do you think of this season? Ugh, I really didn't. Just kidding. (laughs) I loved it. It's layers. There's layers this season. And, you know, after watching the first season, I was like, well, where are they going to go? Like, how are they going to top, like, the production quality and the the storyline? You know, it's it's from an animated comic book. You know, what what's going to be their take on it? Like, how are they going to do it? And I was impressed. I really liked this season a lot. Um, there were some good twists. It's got, you know, it's got a hint of the cult, the culty <laughs> action. The weird Fresca cult. <laughs> what is up with the Fresca? <laughs> No clue. But I think that made me more uncomfortable than the cult itself. Don't be. That and all the Almond Joys. Oh, yeah. Almond Joys. Um, But let's go back to the Fresca for a second. Yes. So (laughs) I was kind of coming up with this, my own fan theory about the Fresca. And I think that the cult has some sort of agreement with Fresca. And so they're pushing their... Fresca's product or Fresca, um, and that maybe that Fresca is putting some sort of like mind altering substance in the cans to make people like follow their culty beliefs. Ooh. Um, I don't know, kind of like old Coke had actual cocaine in it, <laughs> this has actual culty things in it mm-hmm. to cultivate their followers. <laughs> I'm on a roll. <laughs> Well, you know, we're like mind control, like making someone a little bit more susceptible to believing. Um, what was the name of the 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 name of the cult? Or I guess they're not. They don't consider themselves a cult, but no, but they are. Uh, uh, something the collective. Oh, right, or, order of the collective, something like that. Yeah, but yeah. Anyways, I like the little. I don't know. Like I said, like the storylines seem to be pretty layered and. Um, the introduction of Stormfront. And then also we got to see little, like other characters from the anime, the graphic novel um, too. Mm-hmm. So that was fun to see like their take on like love sausage or <laughs> <laughs> love sausage has a slightly bigger role. Um, but they did a really good job in the show when it when they're at the hospital and Love Sausage's Love Sausage comes through the window and is like wrapped around MM's neck and he's like, that's his dick! Oh, <laughs> Let's be honest, as open as we all are, we'd all have that same reaction of like, as <laughs> a big old dick. It's <laughs> a dick that just tried to strangle me. Yep, oh. choking on dick, a whole nother meaning. 
But yeah, and then Terror too. They brought in oh, Butcher's yeah. Dog. How can I forget about Terror? Good dog, good dog. He is a good dog. Yeah. He's a little cutie. Mm -hmm. And his, his, uh, his pig. His little pig. <laughs> what did what did Butcher's aunt call him? His fu oh, his fuck pig. Yeah, <laughs> that's his fuck, <laughs> fuck pig in her British accent. And I like that uh, his aunt, his aunt Judy, is a dealer. Yeah, she's got the quote taffy room <laughs> in the base, which was a pretty sweet setup. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. I wasn't expecting that when they went down there. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, I really wasn't expecting a candy making factory either when she called it the taffy room but um yeah when she was like organic She's... organic health care yeah. <laughs> and butch was like oh yeah she's a dealer <laughs> yeah and we got to see we met butcher's mom and his dad seems like a real stand-up fella oh he's a peach yep <laughs> and we got we were introduced some other because we also got uh, um, Kimiko's brother Kenji, mm -hmm. and uh, Butcher's wife Becca and her son Ryan. So a little bit more of family dynamics this season. Uh, what did you think of like the uh, uh, Becca storyline, Becca and Ryan storyline for this season? Like, what do you like? In what? What do you mean? Like, like just what do you think of just that storyline, that plot line of? Becca's alive, raising um, Ryan off under Vought's, quote, protection from Homelander, and just kind of how that all played out. Uh, I think that she had to do what she had to do to protect herself and protect her son. But, I mean, I kind of see where, like, it was almost, like, the kid didn't know, like, what the outside world was really like, and... I don't know, like, to a point I find fault in that because he's not going to be able to live there forever. Maybe I don't know, maybe. Maybe that's their ultimate goal, that he always stays in, like, that world. But I don't know. She had to do what she had to do to protect herself mm -hmm. and her son. Um, and for some reason I thought that uh, Homelander didn't know where she was, but that must have came out where she was in like the previous season or did yep. he find out this season? He found out at the end of last season last through Vogelbaum. Okay, that's right. Um and then cuz the last season ended where Homelander after he killed Madeline and him and Butcher they flew off and then landed on at Becca's house cuz he mm. Homelander had already and that's where that had ended for that season. So That's right. I I liked the I liked Becca and and I like that we kind of got to wrap up that whole part of like Butcher's backstory and, mm -hmm. and storyline. And I'm gonna be honest, I'm kinda glad we're done with Becca. I'm hoping we're done with Becca and we can just kind of move forward in next season of just like the boys and a bit more of some of the stories from the graphic novels. Cause I'd started reading them uh as well. And at least where I'm at they bring her up. She did actually die, uh, I think, in childbirth or at some point during the pregnancy. And that's kind of it. Like, he's not in the books. Butcher isn't pining or trying to find her or anything like seeking that. Revenge. Or seeking revenge. Seeking mm revenge. -hmm. They straight up are just, they, they do what they do for the CIA in the books. <laughs> Spoilers for the books. But, so I'm kind of 
so I, I enjoyed the second season and I'm glad they kind of wrapped that up and now we can kind of move forward because Ryan's in the care of the CIA protection or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, <laughs> oh, thank God, no kid next season. <laughs> well, I mean, and that does bring up a good point, too, that um, that that's what has driven Butcher like the past two seasons is trying to find Becca and then trying to revenge, you know, what happened to Becca, what Homelander did, and then getting her back from that situation. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I don't want to say a distraction, but like you said, they could go other places with the storyline and Butcher and focusing on other things. And now that, you know, hopefully like that storyline is done, mm-hmm. he can move forward with. Because the season ended with um, Mallory basically being like, we've got money. I've got money now to fund our little group and kind of do whatever. So I'm really kind of hoping that, yeah, we can just move on to some of the more get the soups storylines um, from the book. I understand the way that they did it, the way they did for the show to give context to, to butcher mm-hmm. and give a backstory, the backstory like, to him and, and the group and the boys too a little bit. So, and I enjoyed it. And although the Ryan kid, I liked him, but he annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> Why? Well, and again, I think it's just that um, because him and Becca have been sequestered for his whole life and he doesn't know anything. But so you can't really. So I don't know like, the 50 states. Him. He knows the 50 very well, by the way, too. I'm like, I couldn't do it. In, I couldn't list the 50 states, let alone in alphabetical order. Especially when you're trying to like calm down from being upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I get why I kind of get why Ryan in a way kind of latched on to Homelander. But and I agree that the that the fact that Becca didn't tell him anything was not completely the right move, because what I gathered was that the whole point was they were going to raise this first, quote, natural born uh, superhero or soup with a mom. So he didn't turn out like Homelander, but it almost took it to that ex that other end of that extreme of, well, I'm going to be a loving, caring mom, but not tell him anything and really what can you tell him about his dad that isn't going to be triggering and fucking traumatic as fuck so I get all of that Um, but again I'm and I'm glad that we got kind of that all wrapped up and we're done with that but yeah he just the kid just kind of drove me nuts a little bit he was also in Big Little Lies too and they're it's actually twins oh he's a twin he's a twin yeah okay so i don't know if they use both because of like child acting laws sure but um yeah well they both annoyed me so (laughs) (laughs) i don't know he didn't annoy me i thought he did a really good job portraying like a kid that just all of a sudden his superhero dad shows up and you know he's he's trying to like He's trying to do the things that his dad wants him to do, but at the same time, he's scared and, you know, he's grown up sheltered and he doesn't really know what's going on. I thought he did a really good job mm-hmm. um, playing and, that role. And I will give him, I will give Ryan credit because kind of towards the end of the season, he did tell Homelander that he's like, I'm not like you. And mm-hmm. I basically, I don't want to be like you. So to be that young and kind of already know who you want to be and who you don't want to be. Like, that's 
that takes that takes a lot, I think, for a kid to yeah. have that kind of confidence, especially to tell it to some psychotic superhero. Right. Um, that pushed you off a roof. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but also in this season, we get the head of Vought. Oh, and real quick, in our last recording, which for season one, which is like forever ago, I miscorrected you. You said Vought and then asked, is that correct? And I said it was Voight, like John Voight. So oh. I was wrong. You are correct. I caught that when I edited that forever ago, and I was like, oh, cringy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you edit it out? No, I left it. <laughs> well, Wait. there were a couple episodes, too, where Laura and I referred to a character. His name is, character's name was Romero, but for three recordings, we called him Ruben because we were thinking of the sandwich. <laughs> You're thinking of the sandwich. I mean, who wouldn't, right? Sandwiches are awesome, especially Rubens. Yes. Ugh. Hungry. And he was an awesome character, so. <laughs> <laughs> Ruben's awesome character. I can see how you guys would, like, be on that same wavelength. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the head of Vought. Yep. Um, <laughs> Stan Edgar, played by the amazing, and I didn't practice saying his name first, uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I love him. I love him, too. So we... Those that recognize him know him from, obviously, Breaking Bad. I'm saying obviously because obviously. <laughs> and um, he popped up in season two of The Mandalorian. Oh. And I swear to God, like, there was something else I watched and he popped up. Maybe it was just this. Either way, love him to pieces. Does such a great job kind of playing the baddie. The baddie boss. The baddie boss. Mm-hmm. Kind of the head honcho in charge. Yep. He's got a little bit of, like psychopathic sociopath personality like he's really good at playing that calm but calculating character Mm -hmm. i hope that's not how he's like in real life and i'm sure he's not but yeah he's got it nailed he does he's he's great so it was a nice surprise when he popped up i think right away in like the first episode of the season when timmy and i first watched it you're just like, hey, we know that guy. <laughs> we know that guy. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> there was excitement and then a little bit of fear. <laughs> like, I was, what the fuck is going to happen I was this pumped to see him in it. I love him. Especially after Breaking Bad. Oh, God. God. so good in Breaking Bad. And, but his death scene in Breaking Bad. Oh, that was badass. That's stuff of nightmares. No shit. When he got up and walked out of the room, I was like, he lived. And then they panned over and showed the other side. I was like, holy fuck, I love this show. <laughs> that was that was probably the best. Um, what's the word I'm, I'm trying to think of? Like the best. Like you think something, you, you see it and you think that's how it happened. But then like one second later, you see like the truth, the truth. And then the truth like is... 10 times worse than you would ever even imagine. Mm-hmm. I call that the old switcheroo. Yeah, switcheroo. <laughs> That's the word. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I don't have much of a vocabulary today. Oh, it's quite all right. It's a Friday night. It's hot as fuck. It's been a week. It's been a week. What did you think of Stormfront? <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. I really liked her. I really like her. Like, there's different sides to Stormfront. And yes, she is a Nazi Nazi sympathizer. She is working 
with Vought. Vought, yep. And, um, you know, the, got it. the mental health hospital, like mm-hmm. testing UV, UV v. vodka. UV vodka, <laughs> blue UV. And, you know, the patients in the mental hospital. So, and she's fully aware of like what's going on. Like she's um, the one that's coordinating all that. But then on the other side of it, you see when like Homelander is with his son and she starts hanging out with Homelander and they go to visit his son. Like you see like kind of the softer side and then you find out that she has a daughter and that her daughter, you know, got Alzheimer's and then eventually passed from Alzheimer's. And so I thought the actress that played her did a really, really good job of portraying like different facets of mm-hmm. of her of her life. Um yeah, she's a baddie that I love. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She's from like how she dresses and the way she does her hair to like just her mm. like kind of I love her hair. Smarty um Sassy. like her smart yeah like she's she doesn't put up with shit she puts homelander in his place but she's also kind of undermining and um passive aggressive like she uses it perfectly and i don't know she's a fascinating character i i would have to agree i especially and even during like my rewatch I really liked her. She, you know, mm-hmm. she said all the things to call out Vought and, like you said, put Homelander in his place, made him uncomfortable because he clearly has issues with women in power. Um, the actress that played her is Aya Cash. And, yeah, she does an amazing job. And even the second time around watching it, looking at her outfit, because obviously I loved her costume because it's all black and it's got a little cape. Um <laughs> Even though in the Incredibles, they say no capes because capes will kill you. Um, <laughs> and no mode. Um, but on the second rewatch, kind of looking at it in some of the smaller details that I didn't catch at first, I was like, that is such a Nazi costume. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like she had like symbols or anything, but it was just all the black and some of like the, some of the subtle detailing like around the arm the arm area yeah like where say an armband might go so mm. i thought that was that was kind of i guess fun to catch but she rants about she talks shit about vot she get she's pissed off because there's no pockets in the costume yeah that was, was like, funny i thought of you <laughs> i i wrote it down i was like see like i liked you <laughs> and then you have to go be a nazi and watching her like do her her rallies and getting the crowds all riled up, I was like, "Huh, that looks familiar." Yeah. And she even has a line later in the season where she says something like, "People like what I have to say; they just don't like the word Nazi." And I was like, "Fuck, is that so goddamn true?" Mm-hmm. It's in the context that you put it, in the package that you present. Mm-hmm. To again. Mind control. Yeah. Oh, it's the fresco. <laughs> it's the <a> blue UV. <laughs> when you mentioned kind of her softer moments, I had that written down too where uh, Homelander is trying to be a dad. And, oh, yeah, because he was Ryan was showing them his Lego stop motion movie. Oh, yeah. And Homelander is just kind of like rolling his eyes like, oh, this is boring. And she shoots him a look like... Be a dad, mm-hmm. like a legit like parent look. And I was like, oh, shit, because, yeah, she I think the whole reason why Homelander brought her 
to Becca's to meet Ryan's because he saw how much she missed being a mom and her daughter. And so he's like, oh, she can be a mom again to my son. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was like, she she does have these softer moments, but um, she's a Nazi. <laughs> and those, they're so, especially after you find out, like, the truth about her, you're just kind of like, oh, for me anyways, it just seemed like just another layer of, like, manipulation. Yeah, definitely. But, what else I thought was ironic is that, so her original soup was Liberty. Mm-hmm. White and <laughs> white, you know, white costume. Yeah, and very... Um, American, red, white, and blue. Uh, you know, she was advertising for Budweiser beer, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> or whatever. So I just found that ironic that, um, yeah, she somehow, you know, like got into, was well, came to America and then like got, you know, what am I trying to say? You should probably cut this part out because I don't know. <laughs> well, she married, she married like Mr. Vaught, Frederick Vaught. Oh, and so- yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's been all in it and it sounded, she made it sound like Vought's whole plan, Frederick's whole plan from the beginning was to raise a Nazi super army. Super army. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she just seemed to be continuing that, uh, I guess, legacy now, but there was a point where it's like, but it let- makes you wonder, like, where has she been? Like, cause the Liberty soup was in the 70s and now i'm assuming this timeline's in the present present ish time like so where was she for those like mm-hmm. i don't makes you wonder 30 40 years i would knowing vaught i would assume that they just kind of kept her hidden tucked away um, in the books, we learn that there are different groups of superheroes, smaller than basically the seven, all these second, third, mm-hmm. fourth, sixth rate groups. Maybe they shoved, had shoved her into one of those or just kept her in one of the cells that they had like uh, Starlight in for a little bit. Because, I mean, obviously, Mr. Edgar brought her out for a reason, you know, to kind of what maybe distract from the whole compound V fiasco that. Well, they were filming a movie too, and they had to like women get it done Mm -hmm. or girls Girls get get it it done. done. Ugh, So patronizing. But um, so I almost wonder they brought her out to like fulfill, like, like they wanted three women Mm -hmm. to fulfill that gap. Well, they had to replace translucent. Yep. So, yeah, maybe they're like, well, it's time to bring her out. I who knows? And because she's not dead, she is still um she didn't die at the end after Ryan eye blasted her. Um she just lost her limbs and was fried all extra crispy, which was awesome to see too, by the way. I loved that. But Vought has her. So, I don't know, can she she doesn't age, but can she regenerate? Mm. Like Gecko. Or are they going to give her robot arms That's or something? That's what I was thinking, robot arms, robot legs. And, and if she does come back next season, will we get a little bit more as to where she had been during that time period of uh, from the 70s to more present time or, you know, her rally days? <laughs> so her rally days. Her rally days. But I did, I did like her as a character. And then as a villain, I loved to hate her yeah so she was she was a great character and i love 
I love the gender swapping that they did in the show from the books. Because Stormfront was a man. There's oh. so many men in the comics. I didn't realize that. Yep. Uh, Mallory, the Mallory character is also a man. Rainer is still a female in both the show and the books. Um, so, yeah, and even trying to read the comic books, like, I recognize the name, but I'm like, that's not the face right. that should be there. Right. <laughs> but, um, so that's... They took liberties with the characters. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk real quick a bit about Kimiko. I love that we got more Kimiko this season. Mm -hmm. We got, uh, she has a brother and we learned a little bit more backstory as to why she doesn't speak. And I love this whole kind of patched together sign language that her and her brother worked out that she then by the end of the season is teaching Frenchie. Mm -hmm. So I love that they gave her more depth um, and gave her more than just the mysterious, crazy, scary Asian woman that doesn't speak much because that, that gets very tropey in a lot of entertainment like, things. So Yeah, like horror movies and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that kind of bothered me, though, was that so they were bringing her brother in, but w she seemed okay with it. Like they were going to give her brother over to the CIA. And if my brother was... I just, I feel like, I'm like, why? Like, why would you be okay with this? Like, why are you going along with this? Like, shouldn't you want to, like, take your brother away? Like, escape from this group? There's nothing tying you to this group, you know? Like, I just, I didn't understand why she was okay with Butcher and his crew trying to bring her brother I think my, to Mallory. My interpretation was that she was, she was okay with, Butcher basically leading them to him once she realized that it was her brother that was brought over because she had pieced it together before anyone and she was trying to tell Frenchie through the sign language boy girl like close like right, brother right. sister so my interpretation was that she went along with it just to confirm that it was her brother and then try and save him because we find out later that he's actually working for that one terrorist group or whatever the that Vietnamese yeah that had killed group. their parents mm -hmm. and kidnapped them and trained them or whatever and she was trying to be like no no leave them she let butcher think that she was cool with the plan to try and confirm that it was her brother save her brother and then when she found out that he was all in on this other group convince him to leave and then shit went sideways <laughs> yeah and then stormfront showed up as it always does <laughs> But I liked, I did like that, um, like I said, we got more more depth and, and uh, just like facial expressions from her. And emotion, because we saw how she struggled with PTSD mm -hmm. every time she saw Stormfront after she watched Stormfront kill her brother. Yes. So I did kind of, I mean, I didn't enjoy it, but I like that they brought in that piece and... They expanded on her character more. Yeah. I really liked getting the backstory and how they did the backstory through, like, animation. I don't know if you remember that, where, like, it they went into cartoon mode when um, she was thinking back in her memories. And it showed her laying in, like, the, like, they were in, like, this tent kind of thing. And then all of a sudden... Um, I thinking of the right show? I don't think so. There was no animation. 
I feel like she had some memories, though, that it was animated. You might be thinking about uh, Kill Bill. <laughs> no. Because they do. If I can find it. Oren's backstory. Well, let's take a pause so you can either find it or not, but to refill drinks. Okay. All right. So we're back and we couldn't find whatever Jill was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I so, might have been talking about a different show. So we're going to move on and let's talk about the deep real super quick. He doesn't work. He doesn't need a lot of time. He doesn't need a lot of time. <laughs> His name is kind of ironic because he's not very he's deep. Just, yeah. Very superficial. Deep, deep like a puddle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I. OK, so obviously let's him drink or him doing the hallucinogenics and getting locked in his room by uh, the cult lady who I can't think of her character name or oh, God damn it. Or I think the actress's name is Jessica Hetched. H-E-C-H-T. But she plays the mom in special, also on Netflix. Oh, okay. And folks might remember her from Friends, because I think she was Ross's ex-wife. Oh, no. Turned lesbian. No, she wasn't Ross's ex-wife. Or was she just, oh, or was she like the girlfriend of Ross's ex-wife? Yeah, Yeah. I think that's my, yeah, because they're both brunettes, and I know who you're thinking of, because she has like the annoying... You're thinking of Janice, the one that uh, Chandler dated. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, nope, you're right. I'm thinking of Janice. But, yeah, so she was some sort of, like, therapist, PR person for the cult. And between her and their bow and arrow guy, Eagle something, convinced uh, the Deep to join the cult, drink this, take this hallucinogenic, and lock him in a room to find his truth or whatever the fuck. And everything starts kicking in and you hear this muffled voice. And you're like, that voice sounds familiar. And he unzips his vest and it's his fucking gills talking to him. <laughs> Which is hilarious and troublesome and like, fucked up as that was. It was hilarious. And the gills were voiced by the ever-talented Patton Oswalt. Um, he does a lot of a lot of acting work, and he's got a fair number of voiceover gigs under his belt. And I swear to God, that man could read me the fucking Bible, and I will pay attention. I love him, so I think that's the only reason why I make it through those scenes. <laughs> it's because of Patton. <laughs> Thanks, Patton. Yeah, I I found it actually a little disturbing. Um, I don't know. Like the deep well, has always, yeah, always had you know struggled with like his appearance because he has gills and you know people are always saying put your gills away or cover your gills up and so he's self conscious and things like that. But when you actually see the gills, like yeah, they are kind of weird and they're pretty fucked up, pretty gnarly and mm-hmm. not something you it would expect to see and like. Uh, I don't feel bad for you. It's kind of comical, but you kind of deserve it. Yeah. Because you're just, you're a chauvinist. And 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 they touched on why he treats women the way he did, does, you know, because of his insecurities, which, fine, great, whatever. But you're 
still a rapist. You're still a piece of shit. You're still pathetic as fuck. Um, all you want, like you went back into the seven, which, okay, I can, I can understand that, I guess, but he's so fucking stupid. So in the courtroom <laughs> scene, one of my favorite scenes from this season, and it still caught me by surprise on the second rewatch because I didn't realize how, I forgot how soon heads popping started, <laughs> but he, he's watching it all. He's watching the courtroom scene. At a bar, like on a TV, on a bu- at a bar, and that dumb motherfucker starts grabbing his head, like, "Oh my god, am I going to explode? <laughs> am I not dumb? You're dumb. <laughs> You're so dumb." So, is he just going to be kind of like that? I mean, there's lots of funny parts, but is he really like that kind of comic relief of the series now? Or are we just? Is he the big? Jo- I'm okay with that, but is he just like? He's kind of the joke. the joke. One of the, like, he's a, just a joke as a superhero. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that bothers me about him is that he doesn't have, he's spineless. He doesn't have a backbone. So, like, when um, they were saying, so the the cults, the culty dude was saying, like, oh, um, we don't like Eagle. Eagle anymore. Eagle did this. And he's like, you know, he totally took the cult totally leader's flipped. side and flipped. And yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, we're A-Train, who they were trying to bring A-Train. And I'm like, oh, you fucking. I like A-Train. And I I think that he got a bad, he got a bad deal. Like, you know, in the movie, the Dawn of the Seven, they're kind of writing up off his character like but he's being forced to do it otherwise he's not gonna have like any money or anything Mm -hmm. um and he even says it's you don't fuck with the money yep right yep and so he kind of got a bad deal and you know when the culty leader like starts bad mouthing um eagle and you know the deep just he kind of flips and takes this side oh, like yeah. oh yeah oh yeah even though like in the previous episode they were they were buddies and whatever well, and then even in that scene with the cult leader and I I feel like without looking it up I feel like the cult leader's name was like Alistair very like very close to like Alistair Crowley some sort of anyways but yeah the deep was like because the the cult leader is like oh what do you guys think of Eagle. And the deep was like, "Oh, he's great. He was there for me during my dark time. He helped me mm-hmm. through." And and the cult leader is like, "Oh, we're done with him. Oh yeah, he's he's a he's a piece of shit. yeah." Like you said, he instantly flips. So completely spineless, which I guess works because he's the fish guy. <laughs> oh, oh, nice, deep. <laughs> that is no. That's um actually a really good takeaway. Thank you. And that makes sense. But um, I love that they decided to take the dolphin scene from last season and just fucking kick it up a notch, and with a whale. Oh God! And were you not laughing when they panned in on the deep on top of the whale? <laughs> How could you not? The way okay, so the way that shot was framed was the deep slowly stood up like he was standing up slowly from like a yoga bend but in like a pompous uh superhero pose where you could tell his like hands were on his hips and everything but it was that slow like 
I'm the deep. I'm going to do something. Fucking nothing. Dude, Aquaman has more powers than you. He can control the fucking water. You did nothing. You let your buddy whale, whale buddy guy, whatever. Get impaled by a speedboat. And then one of my favorite parts was um, Butcher asks, uh, where's Huey? And then the camera shoots, goes, we see Huey just straight up PTSD. In I'm the fine. midst of whale guts. Just leave me here for just leave me here. I'm fine. Just leave me here. And I love that Mother's Milk MM went in there and he was just like, I love, I love MM. He's, He's also the, yeah. one of my favorite characters. He just goes in there and is like, hey man, I'm, I'm not leaving until you're leaving. Yep. You know? And then I liked Huey's reaction of yeah. just basically you're like an Fuck asshole. you. Yeah. <laughs> you're an asshole. <laughs> I liked that we got a bit more MM. We saw his softer side. Like, he's... And the reason he's doing it. Yeah. You know, like, family. Of course, it comes back to family and mm-hmm. trying But to... he has that kind of understanding. Like, even him and Starlight had that small bonding moment when they went on their little mini road oh, trip. yeah. Talking about the donuts and yep, stuff. The, mm-hmm. um, they their did dads. A, the, they did a cheers to dads and sugar. Yeah. And I feel like... Almost everyone has a story, dad or parent, like a to dad and sugar moment. Ice cream for us, a lot of ice cream sundaes. So I loved that. I love that they, MM and Starlight, finally had a bit of a, a bonding moment and came together. Um, I also like his reaction in the car. So when they're driving down <laughs> to North Carolina or whatever and like... Starlight and the road Huey tripping out to Billy Joel. And, and our, yeah, the road tripping and um that Billy Joel song comes on. Um we didn't start the fire and they like start like going back and forth and mm-hmm. singing it and then all of a sudden and then just turns off the radio and he's like, I'm not he- I'm not your goddamn chaperone. Like, I'm not this is not a date. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I love you. You're such a he's such a good, like he's a genuine person. Mm-hmm. I liked that too because for a brief second, I was like, "Oh shit, is MM gonna join in?" But the fact that he shut that shit down yeah. the way Timmy shuts our drunken <laughs> shit down, I was like, "Oh!" And Timmy started laughing. He's like, eh, "It's what y'all get for having too much fun." Um, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I like that we got a little bit more about Mother's Milk. I'm hoping next season we get even more because he is such a great character. He's Although I wonder, heart, yeah, of the group of the boys, he's kind of a a steady head, yes, a level head. He throughout this season, whatever their shenanigans or plans were, he was very much about stick to the plan, making sure no one went. And of course, it's them, so shit's going to go sideways. But stick to the plan. I know he said that to Frenchie when Frenchie saw Lamplighter Mm -hmm. in the hospital. Yep. And I know he had said that to I God, I think he said that to Butcher too. Stick to the plan. Um, so very much like very much a special ops. And I like that this is our goal. When Butcher disappeared and Huey had talked on the phone, like Huey's like, Where are you? you know, and Huey went back and he was talking to MM and he's like, you know, telling him that he talked to Butcher on the phone because they don't know where Butcher's at. He kinda went rogue. Mm-hmm. Um and M M figured out like 
where he was mm-hmm. based because there was like a dog barking in the background. Or no, it, um, he heard Butcher playing with like a dog toy, dog or squeaky a do- toy, a dog yep. squeaky toy. Yeah, yep. and and MM was like, "Tell me everything he said." Yep. And next thing you know, they're at Aunt Judy's. Mm-hmm. I love them, and I also want to say real quick too, um, kind of back to Becca uh, when they. When Becca did find Butcher and the boys living underneath that um, bodega or whatever to ask for help to get Ryan back, I loved how they were all just like Here's smiling. A sandwich. Here's just, a Coke with lime. Just like googly eyeing <laughs> Becca. They're just like, here's all your favorite things. And she made like, her like a like a French sandwich. You know what? I will eat anything French. So I makes. looked it. I looked it up. What it is? is and it it's delicious. It's um. It's like crusty bread with butter and ham. And they call it like a something, a barrar or something. Front. Like it's a French name. But it's like a simple sandwich that they eat. It's a ham in, sandwich. Yeah, it's a ham sandwich that they eat in France. Damn. And then, yeah. Frenchie's got, I they got to bougie too. up everything, huh? It's a ham sandwich on toast. <laughs> <laughs> but you put butter on it, it makes it better. <laughs> Um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, that does sound good. Yeah. Frenchie, Frenchie's the shit. Um, oh, I love Frenchie too. Him but yeah, Adam. even Kimiko had like googly eyes. She, she was smiling. Yeah. She was just like, and I'll give the actress, uh, Karen and I can't recall the last name and I all know I'll butcher it, but it starts with an F. She did. A, she does a really, really good job with that character, especially this last season and conveying all that emotion through facial and body language, you know, no, no. Kim, talking. You're talking about Kimiko. Yep. Oh my god, the actress yeah. that she does such an amazing fucking job portraying that character. I mean, you can just like look at her facial expression, look at her eyes tone, like know what she's feeling at that time, like mm-hmm. confusion, like the fear, anger, yep. fear, like yeah, let's fucking do this, let's kick some fucking ass, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, she does a great job. Yeah, she's awesome. We also wanted to touch on a little bit on their movie, The Dawn of the Seven. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Um, So real quick before I forget and click off this IMDb page, when we get a little bit shot of them filming The Dawn of the Seven, there is a guy that comes walking up through the rubble and he's, uh, I don't know, something happened, whatever his fucking lines were. And we instantly, my husband and I instantly recognized him, and we love him. It's the actor Greg uh, Grunberg, uh, most probably most recognizable from the Heroes uh, series. So it was nice to see his face, and I don't... That was a surprise. That was a nice surprise. I think I know that face, but I don't know the actor's name. Yeah, same here. So I had to look it up tonight. But but yeah, The Dawn of the Seven. So I love, okay, so this show does a really good job at kind of taking digs at the other superhero shows and movies that exist. So there's... It was uh, kind of cheesy. Like it was super the cheesy. The film shots that they were doing, it was so cheesy. But it was so great at the same time. So when we get like the producer guy um, pitching the movie and he's got like the the big cards of the sketches, whatever, sketchboard. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is basically like the title screen of what you would see for a movie. Dawn of the Seven, the logo card. And I love it because it's got a Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice look to it. Mm. Same tone, same coloring. 
And then there's also, obviously, there's the scene that they're, quote, filming for the movie where it's the girls get it done and it's Stormfront, Maeve, and Starlight, which is a clear dig to Avengers Endgame when all the female Avengers show up to help little Tom Holland, Peter Parker, (laughs) get the Infinity Gauntlet to the other side of the battlefield. So cute. He's adorable. So that was a nice little dig to them of like, oh, there's like female woman empowerment moment, blah, blah, blah. And then there's another line, too, where they talk about like all the Joss or yeah, the Joss rewrite rewrites, which is what happened to the Justice League that was originally being filmed by Zack Snyder. Um, He experienced a his, his child, his kid died. So he stepped down from the product, uh, from the project and Joss Whedon stepped in. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever seen the Justice League and you hated it, it's Joss's fault. <laughs> the Snyder Cut, which is four fucking hours long, is so much better. Oh. So much fucking better. It's a Wait. little more serious, but it's better than what we got in the theaters, what was actually released. So they released, like somebody released the um, Schneider? Schneider cut, yep. Really? And aside from it being for four hours long, and, and the movie itself is divided into parts. So there's like part one, two, three, four, five. Okay. If you're looking at it for a way to kind of gauge how you want to break it up to more of a series watch. But... It's so much fucking better. Even the boring ass Superman parts were better. Cyborg had a better role. Uh, the Flash had a much better role. Even Aquaman, Jason Momoa, had a better role. Fuck, even Ben Affleck. It was just better. Anyways. But you can watch it on like HBO Max or mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. And it's oh. it's very good. I and I quite enjoyed it over the course there- of two and a half days. It, so it still is four hours long. They mm-hmm. didn't make any. Nope. It's pretty much all. Wow. Un, okay. As far as I can tell, it's all uncut. So it makes me curious as to how the Snyder version would have been edited down to fit yeah. a theatrical release. Right. Because there were parts that, you know, kind of lulled a bit. Um, you know, the dialogue part. <laughs> the things that carry the storyline. But I still thought it was it was good. Look at it as more of like a four-part miniseries. I'll have to save that for the winter yeah. when I can't, you know, when I have the time yeah. to sit on the couch, maybe. But it was good. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, so I liked their, I liked the boys' dig at. Like big theatrical superhero movies. Mm-hmm. And then, and just straight up the line about dealing with these Joss rewrites. Like, that's a not so veiled reference. <laughs> but what did you think about the PR guys trying to quote uh, revamp and rewrite Maeve's forced coming out storyline thanks to fucking Homelander being a that, huge asshole? So in the time the day like the time we live in right now, it broke my heart. Like not even the time we live in. I it just it broke my heart. One, they misrepresented her. Two, it was forced upon her. Three, she she acted like it didn't bother her. But you know it did. And she was just trying to protect the person that she loves. And mm. Elena. 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 
and Elena kind of got the short end of the stick on that whole deal. It, I don't know. It made me, it made me, it just broke my heart. It made mm-hmm. me angry. And I felt super bad for both of them. And it's kind of just like, if you think about it, I mean, that kind of thing could definitely happen like in real life, mm-hmm. you know, like a storyline being written in a way or like PR being written in a way to like either accidentally out somebody or out somebody for whatever reason. And then to fully capitalize on it. And like, then make money off of it. Maeve's rainbow lasagna and, you know, like all this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I felt so bad. I I did chuckle at the PR guys because the way they were trying to revamp her, quote, coming out story that she clearly was not comfortable doing and painting Elena more as, quote, a masculine mm-hmm. female because, you know, studies show that's what audiences like. And I had this conversation with a gay friend um, years and years ago about the show Modern Family mm-hmm. and the Cam character. Yeah. He did not care for the Cam character. And we were so when in discussing it, I was like, well, the actor is straight and he's pulling, he's basically portraying like his mom or his grandma, some sort of exaggerated version. So in our conversation, I was like, we were talking about how what the what the general public is able to consume. The general public, I feel, is able to consume a more flamboyant, especially a gay man, you know, like, Pushing those stereotypes. Pushing that stereotype because that's what they're, quote, familiar with. That's Mm -hmm. what they can, quote, accept. Comfortable with. Comfortable with. Yeah. And so for these PR guys, that's exactly what they were doing. They were crafting, they were molding her to to fit a specific image. Mm -hmm. That's what they were doing. And, yeah, they make the line about, oh, well... One needs to be more masculine and one needs to be more feminine. And they're like, well, Maeve's bi. And they're like, eh, we're going to stick with lesbian because that is palatable right. to the generalized American public. It's black and white. Yeah. Like it's not gray where somebody's like, oh, I'm bi. Right. You know. Oh, I don't know what that means. Like you don't need to know what it means. Shut up. But yeah. Yeah. So I felt it that. It still fascinates me that there's so many people in this world, especially in our country, that are so concerned about who you want to have sex with. Yeah. Like who you're attracted to. Why does that matter? I don't I'm still I don't either. It's still I don't get it. Like I I just don't understand. I don't understand how, how that is a, else, how that is even a topic. How, how that, someone else's dick or pussy is any of anyone's fucking business. Like I just don't I don't get it. I don't get it either. But I did God, as much of it, as much of it was just kind of like head shaking and just like, oh, my God, I kind of appreciated that scene Mm -hmm. because I satirical satirical. So I, I appreciated them actually like putting that into the forefront, this bullshit PR team and trying to sculpt the quote, perfect coming out and quote, perfect lesbian they're, they're trying to control the storyline they're yep. trying to control the narrative because yep. you know people saw Maeve as one in one kind one of way and image or whatever and now and let's be honest but that's that's their own doing too mm-hmm. oh totally they're they're just feeding into and like you said the cap- demographic capitalizing yep. on it yep 
So I really felt for Maeve uh, this season because you could really tell that she does not want to be, she doesn't want to be a part of this, but she doesn't know anything else. Right. I think, I think her final straw was on the airplane with Homelander and she holds a lot of guilt and resentment. Finding the, um, like the black box or that video Mm -hmm. and, you know, using that. I mean, she's, She's also a layer, a layered character. Mm-hmm. I think they did a good job of portraying her different layers. I agree. Um, I really like her. I feel for her, but damn, can she be a like just cold hearted? Yeah, cold hearted. And I mean, I get it. She's like, nothing's ever going to change. Why are you like to Huey and Starlight when they come to her and like, mm-hmm. we need your help? Can you testify in front of Congress? And she's like, why? No. Nothing's ever going to change. Mm-hmm. Yep. You see her kind of beaten down in that moment. Beaten down, yeah. I love that she came back and helped kick Stormfront's ass mm. in the super awesome girl fight. She, I feel like Maeve is one of those one of those types that will eventually come around. But it's just hard for her. Yeah. Because from what we know, her and Homelander are one of the original seven. So she's had way more years of trauma of working with Homelander than anyone else. And they quote, dated. So God knows how fucking terrible that was. So I really appreciated what they did with um, the the little bits that they gave us on Maeve. I was like, because she did kind of come off as very standoffish. But again, like you said, layers. So first season, she's got these walls, mm-hmm. you know. They're but self-protective. We, they are. They're- but we see them kind of crumbling when Starlight comes in and she... Takes those little steps to help Starlight, you know, as a new member of the Seven and be like, don't let the bastard see you cry. Um, (laughs) Was the best advice she could give in season one. But this season she showed up and kicked ass. And then she confronted Homelander with the the video from the airplane, which good for her. I did want to talk about just a little bit. So when it came out that Compound V Mm -hmm. was... Engineered by Vought, and they made their own superheroes. Like they weren't born, they were genetically made, and how it came out on like the media and stuff like that. And then Vought came back and said that it was like this subgroup rogue scientist, and they blamed it all on Madeline Stillwell. Yep, way to blame it on the dead person. The dead can't... person. Oh, what'd you think of the um, shapeshifter? Oh! <laughs> so I was really confused when I started started that. Okay. Same. And it just, you know, the creepy factor, the fucking milk. Oh god. Dude. I don't I don't I don't drink a lot of milk to begin with, but that kind of ruined milk for me. Um, I'm a big time milk milk drinker drinker, <laughs> and that ruined milk for me. I can't dude. Even just plain old cow's milk, he holds it in his mouth for too long. <laughs> and just, I don't so know, gross. their relationship from first season to like second season and now, you know, the shapeshifters play, you know, being in Madeline, still well form. It's still just as creepy. And I just can't peg Even it. Even worse, because like, are they, the sh- were they sleeping together? Or was she more of like a mother figure to him? I think a little bit of both. Or was it a little bit of both? But either way, it's always creepy. Mm-hmm. It gives me the willies. 
And then when Shapeshifter, like, couldn't hold the shape anymore, and he kind of, like, went back to his original form, and he's like, ah, oh, it's so painful, you know? I was like, ah! Like, I screamed a little bit in my head, like, oh, my God! And he's, like, sitting there in his lingerie. Like, oh, my God, this is funny, and it's terrifying. Yes. Um, I, too, was... First, that split second when Homelander shows up at the cabin and Madeline walks out in lingerie, I was like, oh, shit, did they, like, totally fake her death and, like, to- totally fuck with, like, the CIA and That's Butcher and everyone? And then, yeah, when when shape, when uh, the doppelganger, when he sh- shifted back into his normal self, I felt, I felt like such an idiot. I was like, oh, how could I forget about the shapeshifter? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it made all all the fucking sense. But then in, I don't know if it was that same episode or the next one, and the shapeshifter shifts into Homelander. Oh, yeah. I am still shocked Homelander did not fuck himself. <laughs> that is definitely a possibility. And talk about know. missed opportunities. Like, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> maybe they thought about it and they're like, no, that's too much. That's too much. We're on Amazon Prime. I don't know if we can do that. Because <laughs> I don't know if that happens in the books. I'm surprised but, as well. Yeah. I'm, he is an ego megalomaniac. I mean, you saw he thought about it for a second. But then that power, it feels, I almost feel like the power of being the one and only Homelander is what took over and helped trigger him to, to kill. Versus fuck. Yeah. <laughs> versus like, I'm just going to fuck you and degrade you like I've done every other person. Uh, oh shit, my God. God, he's the worst. Oh, one more person I wanted to bring up was Lamplighter. Uh-huh. So the actor that plays Lamplighter is Sean Ashmore. And I recognized him because he played uh, Iceman in the X-Men movies. With yes, um, I was gonna say Jean Luc Picard, but that's not his real name. It's Patrick Stewart. I would have known who you're talking about. Everyone would have. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sir Patrick Stewart. Um. So, what did you think? Okay, so we get we we get Lamplighter, and we get the backstory of the night that Mallory's grandkids died, mm-hmm. and we find out that Lamplighter didn't know. The grant the kids were in the house, and that Frenchie abandoned his post. How did you feel about that bit of a twist? Because like we've been told that it's all lamplighters. Like lamplighter up until this point has been painted as yeah another psychopath, just a firebug obsessed murderer. Yeah, and we obviously didn't know Frenchie's quote role in in those events until the season. I was glad that they explained more what Frenchie's. Like, what happened with Frenchie and why he wasn't there. As far as Lamplighter goes, I could give two shits less about that character. Even though he says that, oh, I didn't know Mallory's grandchildren were there. I don't know. You were sent there to kill somebody. He was there to sent. He was sent to kill Mallory. I mean, either way, you're still... You're still murdering somebody. Mm -hmm. So I don't give two shits about him. I don't feel bad about... I don't feel bad for anything that happened to him i'm glad i did find out more of like what happened with frenchie and why he kind of like how everybody thought he abandoned his post when he Mm -hmm. in a way he didn't to save his friend you know seeing what actually happened um on frenchie's side 
you really felt like, yeah, you, you may not have felt for Lamplighter, but you're, I think you really felt for Frenchie. You had to choose between, because through flashbacks, you know, this is like his core group, the, the Golden Girls. You know, last season we had the Spice mm, Girls. Mm-hmm. This season, Frenchie and his OG crew were the Golden Girls. So he had to choose between his job and Blanche or whoever he dubbed that guy as. I can't imagine that being that's not an easy choice. I'm not I'm not Well our jobs aren't also about like protecting somebody and from killing, but yeah, we have getting <laughs> murdered or possibly murdering yeah. somebody. I we mean, have a bit more leeway with our jobs, but I've I I really felt for Frenchie and I it definitely kind of put into context that tense meeting between Frenchie and MMM. MM in season one mm-hmm. where they're just like you and bleh. because uh, everyone thought that Frenchie just fucked up mm-hmm. and just like I don't care yep. I don't cut I don't <laughs> I abandon my post no not the Frenchie faces <laughs> I this refuse a- I refuse to make Frenchie face yeah I did I did appreciate that bit of insight because I love Frenchie and mm-hmm. it only made me love him more yeah I can't imagine choosing between two I mean, well, for him, human, really big things. Like the human side of him. And like yeah. his, like he had people that he cared about and that cared about him and that relied on him. And he didn't just flake. He right. didn't flake out on his job. Like right. He chose family over his job. Mm-hmm. And not everyone knew that. And he was okay with taking like the fallout from that. Yep. He had a line that he said to, I think, Kimiko earlier in the season about grieving alone and how that doesn't do anyone any good. Um, And then a couple episodes later, we get his backstory. And that really kind of, like, made things click. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yep. He said that to Kimiko out of pure experience. Right. And and knowing. and, And also knowing that he himself was not done punishing himself. Yeah. I don't know. I Well, yeah, because he even said that to Kimiko this season where mm-hmm. he's like, because he was trying to be that older protective brother slash maybe I want to kiss you sometime, you know, and it was because it, you know, the, the feelings and the, the guilt and all that kind of stemmed from his his buddy dying and mm-hmm. like he was treating Kimiko in the same way like mm-hmm. I gotta watch out for you you're yep. Rose or you yep. know whatever and I did like how his um other associate Sherry mm. you know she was paying Kimiko to kill all these baddies or whatever that was a badass scene when she walked from in. the comic books is that, that was straight? awesome. Oh, yeah, maybe not within the awesome. same context, but yeah, she goes into that a building and brutal. just straight up like rips a dude's face that off. That was fucking brutal. Oh it my was God. glorious. I yeah. loved it. Anyways, vodka's kicking in. I haven't had a dinner. It's just been liquid. <laughs> I just double Perfect. finger finger gun Jill. Mm, that sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what do you hope to see in season three? We get Jensen Eccles as Soldier Boy. I, I don't heard know that. I don't know where you're at in the graphic novels. Not very far. I have at least gotten to the point I where they introduce the f- first and second. I read okay because I think it's the third one. Either way, but 
Fun fact, Eric Kripke is, I believe, the showrunner of The Boys. He was the showrunner of Supernatural in its early seasons. Oh. This season we get, oh, fuck, I can't think of his name. But he played Bobby in Supernatural. And so his character was like a political type, and he was only in like two episodes, about five minutes each. Um, I don't even have his character name. But I was like, hey, it's Bobby, and I'm just waiting for him to call a bunch call everyone idiots because that's Six what his character did. Six degrees of separation right there. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see Jensen as Soldier Boy. I have no idea what they're doing with this character and how it will differ from... I don't care. I just get to look at him. <laughs> and, you know, I was a huge Supernatural fan for like the first eight seasons, <laughs> but... I'm very happy to see the actors from Supernatural finally be released from their contracts to do other things. Yeah, that is Outside exciting. of Dean and Sam Winchester and family business and yada yada. So, I feel like that series has been as lo- on as long as I've been. 15 years. In my adult life. Imagine where you were 15 years ago um, when that show first aired in 2005. Mm. I was still at 209 East Mifflin. Aw, oh, shit, I was <laughs> drinking there. <laughs> we were probably sitting on my front porch on a night On a like, Tuesday. On a, on a night like tonight. Uh, um, so for next season, I'm interested to know more about the Congresswoman. We talked about... Yes! Oh, my God. Okay, so AOC. real quick. The courtroom scene, I kind of got a little bit of Kingsman vibes because maybe mm. it was the head popping. Um, but without, like, the firework effects, like in The Kingsman, when everyone's head starts exploding. But so, I was... I loved it. I, I was shocked by it. Um, oh, yeah. I wasn't expecting that at all. No. But I'm just... So, we see at the end of the last episode where the congresswoman... Congre- Ver- Newman. Newman. Victoria Newman. Victoria Newman. I think. Um, you see, like, the cult leader's head pops off. And mm-hmm. then it pans to outside, past the gates of the cult leader's home, where Congresswoman Victoria Newman is standing. And you kind of see, like, like her eyes are a little, like, silver. Yes. And you're like, did she cause that? So you assume, yes. based on the circumstances, that she caused the heads to pop up. But mm-hmm. in the congressroom scene, her eyes were not like no. that, as, as far as we could tell. And it happened, like... Pop, 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 yep. pop. And those are heads popping. Yep. Um, <laughs> but she was like, just, she seemed just as shocked and surprised as everybody else that was running around mm-hmm. with a chicken, like a chicken with her head cut off. Or blown off. Blown off. <laughs> <laughs> when this was happening. Yes. And she was trying to escape. And it seemed like she did not have anything to do with that. She played it off very well. And if she did, she played it off very well. I will. So I'm a little, I'm confused. Yes. Like, who made that happen? Is she involved in that? What's going on? <laughs> and I still took it as it's been her from episode one from where she popped Rainer's head. Rainer's head. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I was so sad to see Rainer go. I was too. Uh, I really I like, love, I yes. like that actress. And I just, she... She played like that kind of hard edge oh, CIA yeah. agent, but she had a soft spot for Butcher, obviously. Obby. Obby. Um, if you read the comics, yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? I'm not sorry. But yeah, I was, I had the same thought because 
upon my rewatch, knowing how, uh, how everything all plays out, I paid close attention to her. Mm-hmm. And I watched her watch everyone's head pops. Her ho- her eyes did not cloud over, but she, the character maintained that shocked face as she's looking at people when their heads are popping off. Um, so I don't know if with the cult, like cult leader Fresca, if her eyes clouded over because there was, I don't know. She had Fresca in her eyeballs. She had Fresca in her eyeballs. <laughs> it cloud, caused some cloudiness and she now, now she has astigmatism. She's popping heads <laughs> off to the right. She didn't mean to, but you know, the glare. <laughs> Lesson, don't drink Fresca. <laughs> Causes astigmatism. Causes astigmatism. <laughs> PSA, you're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, I will be really interested to see where they where we go with uh, Victoria Newman's character in season three because Hue, Huey now works for her. Oh yeah, yeah. So we'll see because he wants to do the same amount of work, but with a little more on the legit side and less guts on him. That poor bastard's always covered in guts. I love it. He's going to get covered in guts. Oh, he you will be covered in happen. like four different types of guts <laughs> next season. Let's take, okay, let's take a poll. I do How many like different him. people's guts will Huey be covered in next season? Two, four, or five? You thought I was going to go six, didn't you? <laughs> I, I, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know about guts. <laughs> I do like um, the actor that plays Huey, too, Jack. Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid. And I guess he was in, um, oh, God, the Twilight movie. No, no, not Twilight. The um, <sighs> Hunger Games. Oh. Because oh. he has a line about, oh, that character in the Hunger Games, but apparently oh. he was a side character, or I don't know what I role know he that. played in the Hunger Games movies. But that was supposed to be a little nod and a little tongue-in-cheek moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when they do that kind of stuff. Me too. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so I'm really excited for season three. We'll hopefully get it. I don't know if they've announced a release date, but I think end of this year or sometime next year. But I'm excited. I think season three... Never mind, I'll stop talking. I don't know where they're at with season three. I was going to say, I think they're I think they wrapped filming, but I might be thinking of a different show. But I'm excited. I love this show. The shock value, the oh my godness, and holy fuck, did they really just fucking do that? I love all those emotions with my shows. And then just like that kind of repelling and disgust of the graphic... People exploding and whatnot. <laughs> Whale guts. Whale guts. <laughs> oh God. What are they going to do next season? What fucking How do you top sea that? mammal or whatever? Are they going to find a giant crab and boil it? <laughs> oh, my God. Think of the butter. <laughs> Sorry. I might be hungry. It's going to be a low country boil. <laughs> Bring your butter. But until then, everyone, I think... Any final thoughts or anything else you got to add? No, she's just shaking her head. She's not. She's done talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Jill, thank you for being in the pod basement and talking about the boys plus Kimiko. And thanks, everyone. Nice shout out. Thanks. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, keep streaming.
Bye. Bye.